listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up guys? Welcome to the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Joined with me remotely is Yishan. Yo. Alright man, as promised, if you haven't checked out last week's episode, definitely check it out. We basically broke down our predictions and our picks for our Western Conference All-Stars for this season. So as promised, we're here to bring you guys our predictions for the Eastern Conference All-Stars. And man, it's a weird year for the East where this year picking the All-Stars, man, it was it was tough, man. It was not an easy uh, thing for us to do because there's... There's a lot more star power in the Eastern Conference, thanks Brooklyn, and it just and it just means that like s- there were so many instances where like some you can rank a player higher, you can rank a player lower, and so yeah, the snubs part of this is gonna be uh, interesting for sure. Yeah, man. Like uh, we were talking about uh, last in last episode when we were breaking down our Western Conference All Stars. So yeah, again, once again, make sure to check out that episode if you haven't already. Um, but when we were breaking down our Western Conference All-Stars, we were like, yo, this is really hard to do, man. Like, the Western Conference All-Star, you know, the competition was crazy. Um, I think we might have anticipated that the Eastern Conference would be easier. And I think we were very wrong on that. Um, and you, you guys are going to see that in terms of the notable snubs um, category that we're going to give out. There's a lot of names over here that you could easily make the case for to be an all-star but you know just for us like i mean there's only 12 spots you know like you can't really yeah you can't really do nothing about it um i mean i'll i'll say this though before we start like these are entirely our predictions this is who we would pick for all-stars just based on what we've seen so again there even like when we bring up the snubs later on the episode any one of those players has an all-star case, which is why we put them up, brought them up. But for us, the, the players who we feel deserve the spots are the ones we're going to be mentioning in this episode. So without any further ado, man, we got a lot of players to cover. So let's jump right in to our starters for the Eastern Conference All-Stars. Yeah. Um, also, once again, too, the coaches will be selecting the bench. So it's pretty much entirely up to them and how they feel, right? Uh, but starting us off with the guard spots for the Eastern Conference, um, the starting lineup. The first player we have at the guard spot is James Harden himself, right? And you were alluding to this uh, right before we started this episode, you know, like the East is in a tougher spot because of the fact that James Harden went to East. So now, you know, whereas he was a lock for the Western Conference, now he takes up an Eastern Conference spot. Um, So currently right now he's averaging 23.9 points a game, 7.3 rebounds. 11.3 11.3 assists, leading the league um, on 47% uh, field goal percentage and 38% from three. Um, also for the second-seeded Brooklyn Nets, we're 17 and 12 right now. Again, as I talked about, James Harden uh, pretty much stole an Eastern Conference spot instead of having his usual Western Conference spot. But, you know, people say, you know, the beginning of the season didn't help his case, and it didn't for sure. But, you know... At the end of the day, he was still putting up all-star worthy numbers in the beginning of the season, right? He was still putting up those numbers, even though they weren't really leading to results. He was still putting up those numbers. Um, and again, since he's come to Brooklyn, he has embraced the role. As Kyrie recently said, you know, James Harden is the point guard of this team. 
and James Harden has fully embraced that role in terms of taking much less shots um, and distributing the ball a lot more. As I said, he's leading the league with 11 assists a game. You know, he's fully embraced that point guard role, which I think a lot of people had questions about. But if you look at his Houston days, you know, he was able to expand that part of his game uh, a lot. It's just that he had to carry such a load offensively in terms of scoring the ball as well that, you know, his passing got overshadowed. But he is clearly one of the best passers in the league. And now with two scorers who are looking to score 30 points a game next to him, you know, as he said, he doesn't have to carry the load offensively anymore. Now he can look to get guys like KD, Kyrie, um, Joe Harris, you know, uh, Jeff Green, you know, other players like that. He, he can try to get them involved. So James Harden is definitely a lock for the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that James, James Harden has been one of the best players in this league for quite some time. Now, we've talked about him a lot this season, most notably because of how he sunk it up on his way out of Houston. But, yeah, you said it best. He stole. He basically stole an Eastern Conference starting spot in the All-Star game because of the fact that he's James Harden. And, sure, the scoring numbers are down, but what you're hearing from a lot of people when this Brooklyn Big 3 was formed was one of these three guys was going to have to sacrifice. And you know what? The, I think the best, I don't know where I heard it from, but KD has a ring, has a ring. Kyrie has a ring. The guy who doesn't have a ring is James Harden. So if there's any one of those three guys that has to sacrifice, if he wants to win, you know, one of these, is James Harden. And you're seeing it now where, you know, he's embracing that facilitator role, which, again, he's always been capable of being a solid facilitator, like a great facilitator, you know, it's from his Houston days. It's just that in Houston, he was his, the whole team's offense. Now in Brooklyn, he doesn't have to be that. And you're just seeing that, you know, he, he can really adapt his game, as not only being a great scorer, but a great playmaker as well. So although I personally feel that because he was traded midway through the season, is it really fair that he's considered an East All-Star? To me, I don't know, it kind of takes an opportunity away from a guy who's been doing it from the, from the, from the beginning of the season. But you can't deny, James Harden is, is a lock for an All-Star. So Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, he, he did get traded, what was it, like eight games into the season? So it's, yeah. by the time the All-Star game rolls around, um, you know, he'll play, he'd have played a large majority of the season in the Eastern Conference. So that is why we have James Harden as one of our Eastern Conference uh, guards. The next guy we have in our Eastern Conference guard spot for the starting lineup is Bradley Beal. Now, Bradley Beal is averaging 33.1 points a game, leading the, le leading the league in scoring, uh, 5.2 rebounds and 4.4 assists, shooting 47.6% from the field and 34% from three. Um, the unfortunate part about Bradley Beal's individual success is that his team has had no success whatsoever um, as they're currently the 14th seed in the Eastern Conference with a record of 8-17. and 17. Now, Bradley Beal, we put him in the starting lineup just because, first of all, I think we kind of felt bad for him after the year he had last year. Um, and also, again, he is leading the league in scoring. He's having to backpack. You know, Westbrook, I think Westbrook... Uh, his, his failures have been overstated in terms of this season because of the fact that Washington is clearly better with him there by a wide margin. But unfortunately, again, you're dealing with, I think we've said it, after uh, Jim Boylan was fired last year, I think Scott, Bro Scott Brooks might be the worst coach in the NBA. I don't know how he still has a job because he clearly sucks at his job. I mean, Luke Walton's there. 
Luke Walton also. Luke, he definitely yeah. has a argument to to be the worst coach in the league. But Scott Brooks is definitely one of the worst coaches in the league. Um, he should have been fired a long time ago, to be honest. Again, I don't want him. I'm not. I'm not trying to ax people from the job, but you know it's a result-driven league, right? Scott Brooks is garbage as a coach. Let's be real. Um, so Bradley Beal's kind of had to backpack, and you know, again, as we said, it comes down to the coaches. Well, unless the fans are able to put him in the starting lineup, which, again, I don't because fifty percent of it is fans, right? We talked about last week the fan vote was reduced. So f- only 50% will be the fans' vote. Now, if the players put him into the starting lineup, then there will be a different case. But if he doesn't make the starting lineup, will the coaches vote him into the All-Star game? Because we saw last year the coaches did not vote him into the All-Star game, nor did the press give him an All-NBA selection, right? Despite the fact that he was having a very similar season last year. So Bradley Beal is in a very interesting spot, I think. A lot of fans want him to be in the All-Star game. They're rooting for him. But, again, the coaches are more, you know, team-driven than fans are, right? Fans are more individually driven, whereas coaches are more, you know, they put more emphasis on the team success. And Bradley Beal has had no team success since, you know, him and John Wall were making the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll say this. Like, I think f- we've been very supportive of Bradley Beal and kind of s- sympathize with the situation in Washington where, you know, that that team, that organization hasn't been able to do anything right. Uh, he's been the bright spot. He's been carrying this team. And I think, um, you know, if you're leading the league in scoring and being one of the top three in scoring in back-to-back ye- consecutive years now for Bradley Beal, you should be, you know, rewarded for your play. Now, I don't think he should be punished for being with being in that situation that he's in. Uh, and I've watched a bunch of Washington Wizards Wizard games highlights, and I've kind of noticed what's going on, you know. And it's not, we've we mentioned it before about the Wizards. It's not about their lack or inability to score. It's their inability to defend that kills them. They can keep up with anybody. We saw them. They beat Brooklyn. By scoring 140 points, so I think it was like 148 they, or something. Yeah, it was some crazy big number, but you know when they beat Brooklyn, it was all based off their offense. They were able to outscore Brooklyn, who was also a pretty bad, poor, like very bad defensive team, and that's how they were able to win that game. But you can see that's not a sustainable game plan, and I don't think all that's on Bradley Beal. A lot of that has to do with Scott Brooks just not putting his guys in position to succeed. Uh, his team just not, you know, producing enough. And again, there's blame to go around, but I don't think, you know, especially for something like an all-star selection, which is dictated on your individual performance, I think you got you got to give it to the guy. He's leading the league in scoring. He's showing why he's one of the best, you know, one of the best shooting guards in this league. One of the best shooting guards in the Eastern Conference for sure. And I think, like I think, we feel that he's he's he should be a lock for 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 a starting spot in the All Star game. I think um, to your point, also to add on to your point about the Washington uh, Wizards' lack of defense, I think that could also hurt him in terms of his All Star case, right? Because of the fact that Bradley Beal we know is a subpar defender, right? Um, now a lot of that probably has to do with him carrying the load on offense, but you know. He is a subpar defender nonetheless, and 
coaches look at that, you know, so coaches might just not feel that and might not vote him into the All-Star game. Again, as I said, Bradley Beal, you know, had a terrible year in terms of individual achievements last year, despite the fact of, you know, his individual success on the court. Um, So we'll see whether, you know, that trend repeats again this year or, you know, people finally, you know, decide to give him some of those individual accolades. Uh, But moving on to the front court spots for the Eastern Conference uh, All-Star starters, we have our first front court uh, player, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is officially back. You know, there was some doubts of whether he could regain his former form. Um, I don't I don't even think he's, you know, fully there all the way. But the fact that he's averaging right now 29 points a game, 7.3 rebounds, 5.3 assists, um, shooting 42.4% from the field, 43.4% from three, that's just classic KD, you know. Like, KD is arguably the greatest offensive talent of all time. Um... And, you know, him, again, him, Kyrie, and James Harden on the Brooklyn Nets, it hasn't been perfect, obviously, but, you know, the potential for them is sky high in terms of the fact that they can easily win a championship just based on their offensive talent alone. And KD has, you know, KD contributes a large part of that as Brooklyn's first or second option. Yeah, I think for us, the... Starting front court for the East was probably the easiest for us because we just knew these three guys are a lock, and the, one of them is Kevin Durant. I mean, he would have been a lock in the Western Conference, and he's a lock in the Eastern Conference. And you know, he after coming off of that that injury that kept him out for over well over a year, he's back and he's performing like Kevin Durant. You know, he's you know a fantastic player can score from anywhere, can score in any type of way. He's still you know, a very, I think he's he's still, he, I mean, can you argue he's an underrated defender? Because I mean, not many people think. I mean, in Golden State, he was, I think, at his peak defensively in terms of the fact that yeah. he was garnering defensive player of the year votes. Um, obviously, I don't think he's at that level right now. And, you know, probably for you know good reason in terms of the fact that he did come off a Achilles injury. So I don't know if he'll ever get to that, you know, part of his, uh, you know, that peak again. But he did learn a lot of defensive principles and, you know, defensive habits from Golden State. So at the very least, he's, you know, he's more in tune and has more attention to detail than on defense than he did, uh, for example, in his OKC days. So, you know. Well, okay. So he's still a good player on both ends of the floor. uh, But offensively, man, he can do it all. And I think a lot of... You know, a lot of the reasons why people are putting Brooklyn in the championship picture is Kevin Durant because of how great he is. And, you know, it's just an, it's a no-brainer. You know, he's arguably the second, maybe third best player in the world right now um, behind LeBron. And he's been that for the last, like, de- decade plus right now. So, you know, no shocker Kevin Durant is is is. is is a starter in the All-Star game, man. It's it's no surprise at all. Yeah, um, and although, again, we do hate on KD a lot, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta love the fact that he's looking back to his former self. Obviously, you know, we don't want no injuries on, on any players, you know. Um, and the fact that he's looked to, he's looked like he's regained his form off of Achilles injury, especially, um, you know, it's a great thing for basketball, for sure, for sure. Um, next up to our uh, next front court uh, player in the 
Eastern Conference is Giannis Antetokounmpo averaging 28 points, 11.5 rebounds, 5.7 assists per game, um, shooting 56.3% from the field. Unfortunately, the three-point shot is, you know, 28%, free throw percentage, 63.8 for the Milwaukee Bucks, who are currently the third seed in the Eastern Conference. Now, again, I think the hype around Giannis kind of died down after his two MVP seasons, you know, for the for the past two years. But, and again, you know, people want to, I think, at this stage of his career, critique him a lot more because of the fact that now he is older. He's he's on that superstar level now. So people are going to critique him at the superstar level. And, you know, rightfully so. Um, we're talking about his shooting. His shooting is terrible. His free throw percentage has gone down every year. It's still not good at all. He's still, you know, a liability in that aspect um, in crunch time. So he does have a lot of problems. But, you know, Giannis is a... he's He automatically makes your team a top team in the NBA. Um, he's automatically an MVP candidate every year. And, you know, he is one of the greatest talents the league has ever seen right in terms of being seven feet seven feet plus and being able to move and uh, run around the court the way he does we've very rarely seen players like him um, and you know so despite all the criticism that he's faced this season he's still a lock for the you know starting lineup for the all-star game yeah I mean I watched Giannis tonight and the biggest takeaway I had he's one of the probably one of the hardest players to defend in in today's game man not only is he big but he's fast he's strong and when he he's, he comes downhill he's basically unstoppable to stop you know to guard and um you know he just a lot of that just comes with his self development you know the him the fact that where when he came into the league he he was he was nothing he was you know a skinny kid from from Greece and and he built himself up into what he is and so you know that's always been great about Giannis, um, and uh, again the work ethic. You know, all, yeah, the work ethic has been huge with Giannis, and again, like you said, the his hype has definitely died down, and I think the criticism has definitely increased. But you can't deny the fact that he's still among the best players in this league, um, and he's again his team is continuously keeps winning, which is the big thing. He's a superstar player that puts up his superstar numbers, but his team is also performing at a high level, which is what you want, uh, you know, which you, you know, as an organization. And one more thing about Giannis, you you didn't mention about his shooting. Well, he hit like two or three threes tonight against the Raptors, and these were pull up threes, contested looks, man. So, although he the shots don't go down consistently, he's not afraid to take them, and the shots that he he is taking shows growth at least from what i've seen of Giannis. yeah i mean he's never afraid to take those shots it's just honestly it's come to the point of whether you should take those shots or not anymore you know in terms the of free that. throw shot the free throw shooting I, I i don't know what happened there i mean again big as i said i think i've said it before too like the bigger players can never shoot free throws properly because the body just doesn't translate uh, but, you know, in terms of Milwaukee, obviously people will point to the fact that they have been worse this year. But, you know, they've integrated a lot of new players. There's a lot of roster turnover. And also the fact that Mike Budenholzer is trying to, you know, trying to implement a whole new, uh, a bunch of sis- new systems and principles into the team um, in the hopes that they can finally get over the hump in the playoffs. Uh, so obviously that's kind of 
taint uh, the the Bucks record a bit from last year. But you know they still are top three seed in the East, um, and they are still a team that you don't want to see in the playoffs for sure. Uh, yeah. Moving on to our final front court player in the Eastern Conference starting lineup, we have Joel Embiid averaging twenty nine point six points a game, ten point eight rebounds, uh, shooting fifty four point three percent from the field and forty percent from three. Um, for the Eastern Conference leading Philadelphia 76ers, standing at an 18-10 and 10 record. Now, again, as I talked about last episode with Nikola Jokic, the other front runner for the MVP is Joel Embiid himself. Joel Embiid seems to have taken that next step forward in his development in terms of the fact that now he looks like a legitimate superstar. Um, you know, we always had criticism of him before, and I think a lot of people did before as well of whether you know there's always times where he would fade in and out of games even though he's arguably one of the greatest talents in the league um but this year he seems to have found another gear you know as i said he's hitting 40 percent of his threes which is absolutely crazy his mid-range was always money um now with this three-point shooting that mid-range opens up a lot more uh he's one of the best face-up players in the post today and, you know, with his mid-range jumper, his ability to back down in the post, his footwork, Joel Embiid has, is, you know, a top two center in the league with Nikola Jokic. Um, as I said, they are both front runners for MVP right now. And he's just, he's been amazing to watch, honestly. Like, I've watched a couple of 76ers games, and there's a reason why they're the first seed right now. And a large part of it has to do with Joel Embiid and his all-around brilliance. Uh, as I said, and, you know, obviously the defense is still there. Look, we've all known one thing about Joel Embiid. He has he can, he has the potential to be the best center in this, in this league, the best big in this league. And the only thing about Joel was always about him staying healthy and uh, staying in shape for the for full, uh, full season. And I think this season you've seen he hasn't had any a big a big injury or anything of that nothing major at least uh, reported up to the state and that has helped him and he's come in he he looks great he looks in good shape he again he's hitting the three point shot he's he's posting up he's still bringing bringing the energy on the defensive end and his team is winning which is especially a, a great thing for the Sixers an organization that has all the talent to be a championship team but they just need need to you know produce to to get over the hump, and I think uh, Joel playing at this high level is definitely a great step for them. And uh, yeah, he's he's arguably the front runner. Like again, I did not see this coming for Joel Embiid. I didn't see this level of production out of him, and I think he's definitely in the MVP conversation, if not the front runner in some people's mind, and rightfully so. I mean, his team's doing well. He's doing great. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to keep it up. But as far as all-star com- conversations are concerned, he's the best center in the Eastern Conference and uh, hands down deserves a starting position. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was those were our Eastern Conference all-star starters. Tell us what you think. Uh, do you guys agree or disagree? Who do you guys? Uh, who would you guys have in your starting lineup? Moving on to the bench, and we're probably going to have to you know quicken it up a bit. But moving on to the bench for the Eastern Conference, we have our first guard. Um, and as he alluded to before, with James Harden taking up a spot in the Eastern Conference, now the Brooklyn Nets have three all-star uh, players on the roster. Um, and for our first guard spot, we have Kyrie Irving averaging 28.3 points a game, 
5.7 assists, shooting 53.4% from the field, 44.2% from three. Absolutely crazy. And, of course, is a standard 90-plus percent from uh, the free throw line. And, again, for the second-seeded Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving has been a target of criticism also from us. You know, we have criticized him also. Um, you know, for some of the stuff that he's had, he's done throughout the season. But, again, you know, it, it's that line with Kyrie Irving. Sometimes he does some stuff that are questionable. But... We've never, you know, questioned his, you know, his his genuineness and his um, his intent to be a good guy. We everyone knows that he's a great guy. There's a reason why he's, you know, a vice president in the NBPA. Um, you know, there's a reason why everyone in the league, for the most part, loves him. You know, he's a great guy. Um, it's just he he does some questionable things from time to time, but. You know, you can't argue with his on-court production. He is one of the greatest talents we have ever seen. He's, uh, in my opinion, the greatest ball handler of all time. Um, and he is one of the greatest finishers of all time, too, especially from the guard spot. I think he has the greatest layup package of all time in terms of, if you look at his highlights, you know, the crazy finishes that he has. I haven't seen anybody make better layups than he does. Um, and again, people have talked about it. He is one of the greatest. He has... He's one of the uh, most skilled players of all time in terms of only being, you know, was he 6'2", 6'3", uh, but the amount of skill that he does, ball handling, his shooting, um, his post game, you know, his facilitating, it, it's insane what he can do with the ball. And so, you know, him leading the Brooklyn Nets as one of their top two scorers um, in the Eastern Conference definitely makes him a lock for the All-Star game. Yeah, I think a lot of our criticism of Kyrie has been mainly off the court issues where, you know, he's just been distant or hasn't been on the team or has said something that's very asinine or his criticism of the media, his. There's a lot of things about Kyrie Irving that really, you know, at least for me, you know, took put me in a, in a, in a negative uh, perspective, but. There's no denying his on-court uh, product is amazing. Again, you said it. He's one. He's arguably the greatest ball handler of all time. Um, I'd put him right up there with Allen Iverson. Now I don't know who which one I would prefer. I think the old head in me is gonna probably take AI. But well, AI Kyrie's, AI himself said Kyrie's better. Hey man, I'll still say this. Kyrie is still amazing. What he can do with the ball and um, yeah, again. I think one other thing is that now that he's in a situation, now that he's gotten to more time to play with James Harden, he no longer has to worry about the playmaking responsibilities, which, to be honest, was never really Kyrie's game. He can you know, he just focus on what, what he does best, which is score the basketball and uh, be a great option for his team night in and night out. So no surprise that Kyrie Irving is an all-star. Now, does it still bother me that Brooklyn gets three all-stars? Yes, it does. But... It was very difficult for us to leave Kyrie Irving off this list. Yeah. Um, so that was our first guard spot for the bench. Um, our next guard spot for the bench is Jalen Brown from the Boston Celtics. We're currently um, a, kind of underperforming, um, but they still are the fourth seed at a 14-13 and 13 record. But Jalen Brown has been absolutely amazing. To be honest, he's uh, averaging 26 points a game, 5.7 rebounds, shooting 51.3% from the field. 40.9% from three, um, 
And I think that's one of the biggest things, right? He's taken that next step in his development. He's added a, he's always, he's been good from three, you know, since the beginning of his career, but now he is a legit shooter from three. Um, and he's now averaging 26 points a game. You know, we saw the potential that he had, especially last season when I think he started to really break out. Um, and we saw the potential that he could have as a one-two punch next to Jason Tatum. And now you're really seeing it. You know, he definitely deserves that contract. I think we'll go back, what was it, a couple years ago when we had some criticism of those contra- of that contract. Um, we definitely took an L on that because now he definitely deserves a max contract. Um, and, you know, he's still very young, man. He, like, the fact that he's only going to get better from here on out, and he hasn't even hit his prime yet is what's insane, right? Him and Jason Tatum. The fact that they're still so young um, and already producing at the rate that they are. Now, is Boston, I think Boston is missing maybe one big piece for their team in terms of their championship aspirations. But Jalen Brown himself as an individual has taken that next step forward. And Boston, I think with those two and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, can only go higher up from here on out. Yeah, man. I mean, I think we all knew Jason. I mean, Jalen Brown was a was a great player, uh, solid, great defense, amazing defender. Uh, can shoot the three, like quintessential three and D guy that every a lot of teams would want would want. Um, but I think the biggest thing with with Jalen Brown has just been his offensive improvement, man. Where you can just see the the three point shots gotten even better this season. The ability to score off the dribble is better. His dribble penetration has been far better than it has been in his career. His mid-range game has been something that he's definitely been working on. And he's just a more confident all-round player. And he's still giving it to you, giving you that amazing defense on that side of the ball. So we've spoken about Jalen Brown a lot, but the numbers speak for itself. The fact that his team is is winning uh, consistently and as a Raptor fan, that pains me to say because uh, Boston has been a thorn in our side this season. But there's no denying he's a fantastic player. And I think we think he definitely deserves his, fir- uh, his first All-Star selection this season. So, yeah, Jalen Brown definitely should be an All-Star. Again, a seven-point increase from 2019 uh, to 2020 and then a six-point increase. This season, so he's been absolutely amazing, constant improvement for sure. Um, speaking of the Boston Celtics and Jalen Brown's running mate, we have Jason Tatum occupying our first front court spot, um, on the bench in the Eastern Conference. Now, Jason Tatum is averaging 25.6 points a game, 7.1 rebounds, 4.5 assists, uh, shooting 45% from the field and 40.7% from three. Now, Jason Tatum again. Um, you know, he's being talked about to death because of the fact that he is one of the best young up and coming players, but rightfully so, you know, he is, I think we, he took that jump, um, in the second half of last season where we, even as Raptors fans, we were like, yo, this guy is going absolutely crazy, man. Now this year, I think he hasn't been as good as that second stretch as, of, uh, last season, Primarily, I think a large part uh, a large part of that can be attributed to the fact that, and he's even talked about it too, um, his COVID recovery. You know, it's affected him. He's talked about his breathing is still not proper, right? He he's still running up and down the court and gets pretty gassed, right? So you know, a large part of that has to do with the the COVID issue, and um, 
you know, obviously probably a lot of other players are dealing with that, especially players who are struggling. But Jason Tatum has been absolutely amazing um, throughout his career, and especially now in the past year and a half where he's taken that next step forward. And, um, you know, especially if he keeps going on this trajectory, if he takes another jump in his development, man, you, you know, he can easily be a 28-point game score on a nightly basis, leading his team to, you know, the Eastern Conference, uh, Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. Yeah, man. Like, we've said it a lot. Jason Tatum is a very, a very, very good player, man. And uh, Danny Ainge, uh, you know, committed highway robbery, uh, stealing him away from the Philadelphia 76ers in that draft trade. And, yeah, he's just been fantastic. I mean, again, we were we were arguing that we wouldn't put uh, Jason Tatum on this list because of the fact that, you know, he has missed some games. And Jalen Brown has been kind of carrying while, you know, Jason Tatum has been out, but you look at the numbers and you just look at the production on the court and it's still very obvious that J- Jason Tatum is still among the best players in this league and um, yeah, and he's again, he, he's still so very young that the fact that he hasn't even hit his prime yet is scary for for not only us as Raptor fans, but I think the entire league too, so yeah, it was uh, difficult for us to not put Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum on on the All Star list. Yep, for sure. Uh, next up, our next uh, front court uh, player in the Eastern Conference is Demontis Sabonis. Now, Demontis Sabonis plays for the Indiana Pacers, who are currently the fifth seed um, at a fourteen and fourteen record. Now, the Pacers did have a hot hot start to the season. Um, especially fueled by their, you know, quote-unquote big three of Malcolm Brogdon, DeMontis Bonus, and Miles Turner. Um, since then, they've cooled down significantly. I think they've regressed to the average of what a lot of people were expecting them to be. But, you know, DeMontis Bonus has turned himself into a yearly all-star selection. Um, especially, you know, what makes this good is the fact that I think watching him in OKC where he was very underutilized and they tried to make him a spot-up shooter when that was never his game and now seeing him in Indiana where he's been able to flourish in the same type of role that you know his dad had right um, as that kind of point forward running the offense scoring in the post uh, facilitating in the high post and uh, on the three-point line DeMontis Bonus has been great. He's averaging 21 points a game, 11.4 rebounds, 5.6 assists. Um, very impressive as a power forward or center. Um, shooting 52.3% from the field and 35.4% from three. Now, again, he doesn't take that many threes, but he's still very capable of making them. He's a league average shooter, um, which means that he does have to keep you honest. And again, as I talked about, that's a very valuable um, asset for him when he spends a large part of his game on that three-point line because of the fact that he is facilitating for the whole offense. So him being able to shoot that shot um, when there's no passing lanes to open up is a very lethal option for the Indiana Pacers. But yeah, DeMontis Bonus, um, at this point, yearly all-star, I think. And he's only going to get better from here on out. Again, another very young player. Yeah, I mean, again, like you said, the Pacers had a great start to the season. Now they've kind of cooled off since then. But there's no denying they're they, they're still a great team. They're still a tough opponent to beat on a nightly basis, and 
Sabonis is a big part of that, man. Like he's he's you know grown into a great all around big man. You know he can he can score from the low post. He can stretch it outside. He's a great passer, just like his dad. And the on the defensive side of the ball, like you can see, it, he he makes a huge impact for the for the Pacers uh, on that side of the floor as well. So again, although the Pacers aren't as great as they were to begin the year. They should still deserve some somebody to represent them in the All Star game, and I think Sabonis has been playing very well and should be should be there to represent them there. Yeah, uh, for sure. The final front court spot um, that we have for the Eastern Conference bench is, and it might surprise some people considering how uh, we've talked about this guy's team, but we are going to put Julius Randle um, as our final All Star. Uh, front court spot now the new york knicks are very surprisingly um the six seed in the eastern conference sporting a 14 and 15 record and julius randall has been arguably the biggest factor for that success he's averaging 23.1 points a game um 11 rebounds 5.6 assists uh shooting 47.6 from the field and 40.6 percent from three now julius randall i think for us as has always been an interesting case. I think we've criticized him a lot. Um, Julius Randle has been one of those guys that he's shown flashes of being just this all-star caliber player, but he's never been able to put it on a consistent, uh, put together on a consistent basis, whether it's, you know, the scoring, the lack of efficiency, the bad decision-making, the subpar defense, um, He's just never been able to figure it out. Now, again, I will preface this by saying this is a contract year for him. So, you know, we, we've seen what players can do in contract year when, uh, when there's money involved. You know, money's a big, a very good motivator for success. But in all seriousness, all credit has to go to Julius Randle. You know, he seems to have taken that next step forward. Obviously, we'll see if he can continue that into next year where I think a lot of my doubt lies of whether or not he will be able to. But for this year specifically, he definitely makes a great case for an all-star spot. Um, again, I didn't think I would be putting him in the all-star game. But, you know, the numbers speak for themselves, especially the three-point shooting. Um, he's turned himself into a legit three-point shooter this season. And the New York Knicks have been a pretty decent team. You know, they've beat a couple of good teams. We saw them beat the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks early in the season. Um, so, you know, Julius Randle, credit to him, man. He definitely, I think, deserves an all-star spot this year. It'll be interesting to see whether the coaches give it to him. But, you know, for us, surprisingly, he, he's there for us. Look, Knicks fans, don't say I don't give you anything. <laughs> um, because I am still waiting for this team's eventual downfall because I still think this team isn't going to amount to anything as long as James Dolan is the owner. Well, Knicks fans will agree with you on that. I, I think but, they'll agree with you on that. But I'll also say your roster construction absolutely is garbage. And, you know, but I'll say this. And also hiring Tom Thibodeau. What are you? What were you? Okay. Uh, when when that goes down down the drain, I'll I'll, I'll be there to rant about that. But we're here to talk about Julius Randle, and he's been great this season. And a lot of it has to do with just him making those improvements in his game. The three-point shot surprisingly looks very good. Like he hits, 
Like there was a sh- it was a highlight that I was seeing on social media where end of the shot clock, Julius gets the ball at the top and the top, and he could have made a pass inside to get a better look, but he just confidently still stepped up, pulled up for three and nailed it. And that to me is a, is the biggest sign of him improving, where he can now shoot that shot with confidence. Uh, on top of that, he's super athletic. He's also been a, a great facilitator as well, just being able to move the ball. Um, and yeah, he's been he's been a great spark for the Knicks. And I think looking at the numbers, like Zisha and I were kind of looking at all the players who we can put for the potential last front court spot based off of record for now, Knicks fans, uh, and the stats that he's putting up. It, it makes sense to give him that spot, man. He's 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 been balling out and. Um, yeah, he. Sh- I think he should be rewarded for this, uh, for for the ex- success that he's he's been having on the court. Yeah. Um. And then that'll move us on to our final two reserves. Now, for our first reserve, we have an agreement on this, and it will be Zach Levine for our first reserve. Now, Zach Levine, uh, is averaging twenty eight point two points a game, uh, five point five rebounds, five point two assists. Shooting 51.5% from the field and 43.1% from three um, for the Chicago Bulls, who are in the mix for the playoff spot, uh, for the last playoff spot. Um, they're currently the ninth seed right now with a 11-15 and 15 record. Now, Zach Levine for us, I think, has also been another interesting player. Um, you know, like last year, I think a lot of people had him as... Uh, as an all-star whereas we did not um and i think it was the usual stuff about his efficiency his defense you know his is just he he wasn't there all the way yet you know he wasn't able to produce in a way that translated to success for his team um now a large part of that had to do with jim boylan and his garbage coaching um you know i was i remember watching the b-ball breakdown um his video on Jim Boylan and what failed and it was absolutely atrocious like it was so bad to watch them um and you know these sets that they would run in terms of like they would put like Zach yeah bro they would put they it would be some weird stuff man like the sets weren't bad but they would put all the people in the wrong places bro they would put like Zach Levine in the dunker spot and like Larry Markinen at a three-point line like it was terrible to watch man for real um but yeah, Zach Levine, I think for us was not an all-star last year. But for us this year, I think he's cemented his spot as an all-star. Um, he seems to have taken that next step. Now he his decision making is a lot better. He's able to facilitate a lot more. Um, I think one criticism that a lot of people had of him was that he wasn't able to produce what how he wanted to against better teams. Now he's being able to do that on a more consistent basis. Um, and again, as I said, his efficiency is up too. Last year he was shooting 45%. This year he's shooting 51.5%. So his efficiency has jumped up uh, significantly this year. So Zach Levine takes our final spot, uh, or our second last spot for the All-Star team. Yeah, I haven't actually been following Zach Levine this season. So it, for me, I had to, when I looked at his numbers, obviously the numbers look great to me, but I had to actually see see it with my own eyes. And I watched some of his highlights before before the episode. And the biggest thing to me that I see with the difference between last year's Zach Levine and this year, the three-point shooting, the three-point shooting is just far better than it has been. Like he was always one of those like mid-range shooters, the guy who would only take mid-range, mid-range fadeaways, those kind of, that kind of thing. 
bad shots. Um, but this year, pretty pretty much bad and inefficient shots, and it really stunted the offense. Also, Jim Boylan was a major factor in that for the Chicago Bulls. But I think this year you're seeing that the three-point shot just looks a lot better. He's far comfortable shooting it. And it's really just opened up his game. And he's taking smarter shots because of it, you know. Uh, and again, another thing I did notice was the playmaking as well. He's making better decisions on the court. He's getting his teammates involved. Uh, there is my still his one criticism is defense. Defense is still not a thing with Zach Levine. But offensively, you can see the growth in his game. And I think uh, because the Bulls are in the cusp of a playoff spot, and they've been far better than they were last season. And I think... Uh, yeah, Levine should definitely be rewarded for that. I mean, even his defense, too, he's been a bit better on that side of the ball in terms of he's actually trying a bit more now, um, you know, which I respect. So, overall, just Zach Levine's been a much better player. You know, I don't think the stats will show that he's been a significantly improved player. But for us, um, in terms of, you know, how we look at the game, he looks a lot better for me personally um, than he did last year. And that moves us on to our final reserve spot. Now, this is where me and Hani had a difference of opinion, as I said. Um, and we each chose two different players. It's kind of cheating that we're putting two players as our final spot. Because I think we both, to some extent, agree that these guys can be all-stars. But, um, you know. Well, I disagree with yours. Well, I, I don't think that that should be a disagreement. But for my um, for my all-star candidate to round out the all-star team, I have Ben Simmons. Um, and he's averaging right now 15.2 points a game, 8.3 rebounds, um, 8 assists, shooting 56. Hey, those sound familiar. Shooting 56% from the field. Now, Ben Simmons, of course, is on the Philadelphia 76ers, who are currently the first seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, Hany, on the other hand, has Fred Van Vliet as his final all-star reserve. Um, who is averaging 19.9 points a game, uh, 6.6 assists, shooting 41.1% from the field, and 37.5% from three. Um, of course, unfortunately, the Raptors are only the seventh seed in the East, which, uh, you know, is good compared to what we were at in the beginning of the season and how, how we were looking in the beginning of the season. So, you and know. And we're, we're like a game or a game and a half behind. You know, back from the four seed. We've clawed our so. way out for sure. We've clawed our way out. But, you know, I'll let Honey go about Fred Van Vliet. But for me personally, Ben Simmons, again, we were kind of critical of him in a couple episodes ago. But since then, you know, after the first, what was it, 10, 10 or so games, 10, 15 games, Ben Simmons has really started to increase his production. Um, last, last game without Joel Embiid, he dropped 42 points, a career high. Um, it seems like he's kind of starting to figure his way out um, in Doc Rivers' offense a bit more. Um, and, you know, Ben Simmons, again, he's not our favorite player. We kind of criticize him a lot, um, especially in the playoffs. But, again, the All-Star nominations are a regular season award. And Ben Simmons, you know, he's a triple-double machine. He does a lot of things that won't show up on the stat sheet, you know. And then on top of that, even if his offense has some holes in it, defensively, I, I think I said this a couple episodes ago as well, he he has a case to be the league's best defender. Um, so Ben Simmons, again, 
it's kind of surprising coming from me, but I think it's also a customary thing to have the first seed of the conference have like two all-stars, which is why I think also part of the reason why I'm having Ben Simmons in the lineup. But Ben Simmons, again, criticisms, we have our criticisms of him, but you can't deny the talent that he is and um, especially his work that he does, uh, some of the facilitating stuff that he does on the offensive end, some of the little stuff that he does on the offensive end, and then, of course, his you know perennial all-defensive team uh, efforts on, on the defensive end of the ball. Look, I I can see what the fascination with Ben Simmons, but it comes back to my point where he's still the same player that he was, and I think, to me, if you're putting up 15 points a game, it's not really all-star worthy unless like you're making a dramatic impact on your team. And yeah, sure, Simmons is great, but I think Embiid is the bigger catalyst for the Sixers. So I decided to go on the different route, and I went with Fred VanVleet, who I think has been absolutely fantastic for the Raptors this season. One of, one of the biggest bright spots for this team, and what has been a pretty disappointing year overall for the Raptors. But you even tonight, like tonight was I when watching Fred VanVleet go off tonight was just shows how great he is. You know, he improved his mid range game. He's a great three point shooter. You know, smart smart player with the basketball. Oh, just a great leader overall, and I think he's taking the next step in his game, man. He's he's literally Kyle Lowry 2.0, man. He's uh he's the same makeup as Kyle Lowry, and it and it shows, man. And uh, I think th- like I think the Raptors just being in the position that they're in, being in a playoff picture, they still have one of the best point differentials in the league, despite having a, a sub 500 record, which still shows that this is still a great a good team. That is, you know, producing just the wins just have been difficult to come by. But I think the Raptors should still have a representative, you know, that makes an all, makes the All-Star team. And I think it should be Fred Van Vliet. I think he, out of all the Raptors star players, uh, Fred Van Fred has been the most consistent. And he's been, in my opinion, the best overall this season. So... Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna give it to Fred VanVleet. I think he deserves it. Yeah, if there, sure. if there's a, if there's a representative for the Raptors, I think Fred VanVleet's the probably the first option because of the fact that again Pascal had that rough start to the season. Kyle's been in and out of games, um, but Fred VanVleet's been the most consistent out of the three. Now, my issue, I think, is me kind of being a mad Raptors fan, right? Where I've, I, I've kind of been pissed off with this team a lot. And again, it's not. It's not just because of the fact that they, you know, the the production isn't what I've hoped. Because of the fact that, I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can't really control the talent. And the Raptors had a massive talent drop-off with Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka leaving. The problems I've had with the Raptors are a lot of their own mistakes. And, you know, the mental mistakes that they've had. Especially for a team that's full of, like, veterans. Um, I've had a huge problem with that. Um, Fred Van Vliet himself, like, he's been good, don't get me wrong, but he's had a couple of rough games here and there. Um, he's a good defender, but he's had a couple of games where he kind of drifted off on defense. Um, his finishing, and unfortunately, I don't think he'll ever be a great finisher just because his height, you know, that's the one difference between him and Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is substantially more athletic than Fred Van Vliet is. Um, I don't think people understand how much more athletic Kyle Lowry is and how much athleticism he truly has to be able to produce and, and to play the game the way he does at 
a six foot height. But Fred Van Vliet, I don't think will ever be a great defender. He's still not a, I mean, a great finisher. He's still not a very good finisher. I think that's the one hole on offense. Um, and again, as I said, his consistency and just the fact that, you know, I think for me, he's a very good player. But in terms of the All-Star team, I think you have to be a great player, at least in one aspect uh, or one spot on the court, which is why I have Ben Simmons, especially the fact, again, Philadelphia is the first seed in the East. And Ben Simmons, you can say he has some holds on offense, but his defense is up there uh, at the top of the league. So for me, I think that warrants him an all-star selection over Fred VanVleet. Well, I mean, I'll say this about Fred. His, his finishing has definitely improved this season. Like, there, some, there are some of those layups, you know, where he puts a little bit of that, that, you know, that nice finish on it. So he, he's definitely gotten better, but I do get it. He's not as athletic as Kyle Lowry, but I think overall, I think also defensively, the work that he puts in, puts in when he's engaged defensively is some of the best from the from the from the guard position from a guy of his size so i mean it, it all it, this again this all comes down to personal preference and who i think des- who we think deserve to be all-stars so you're going with ben simmons i think it's fred but who really knows i mean we're not going to know until it's officially uh the all-stars are officially announced but those were our official picks for the the, the actual all-stars let us know what you guys think do you agree or disagree but we're also going to quickly cover some of the all-star snubs uh, for the sake of time, you know, we're not going to really dive too deep into them. First one is Tobias Harris. Obviously, you know, the Sixers have been great this season. Tobias Harris has been a big part of it. He's had a better, a lot better season than he's had last season and really starting to make up that big contract that he's been offered I think, uh, um, by the Sixers. Yeah, I think interestingly, uh, before you go to our next guy, um, we sh- kind of saw this coming because of the fact that he did have his best seasons with Doc Rivers and now that he's back with Doc oh, Rivers, yeah. right? Now he can produce in the Doc Rivers system. Um, and Tobias Harris has always been a guy that can go out and get you 25 a night. It's just been about the consistency. Now with Doc Rivers, he's showing that a bit more. Um, so that's a large part of the reason why the 76ers are in the top spot in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Chris Middleton. Uh, and I think tonight really kind of solidified why he, we didn't put him as an all-star. And I think with Chris Middleton, it's just that the numbers just really aren't there. We know Chris Middleton is a, a solid player. He's a good defender. He's uh, a great three-point shooter. But I think what Chris is that uh, he sometimes disappears or he's very easy to, to stop. Like tonight against the Raptors was very apparent where he just couldn't get anything going and uh I think that was kind of a big a big reason why. And his numbers just weren't as weren't as great as some of the other players, some of the other guards we were able to bring up. So yeah, Chris Middleton definitely would be a player that's considered a snub, especially because the Bucks are doing that great. Yeah, I think Chris uh, Middleton will always be one of those fringe guys who can maybe make it if he produces good, uh, or will perhaps miss it. You know, I think he'll be one of those fringe guys in his career. Yeah, the next one, Malcolm Brogdon. Now, this one is a little more unlikely just based on the fact that there's a lot of guards in the Eastern Conference who are talented. Uh, and Brogdon, although he's been great for the Pacers, um, it's it, it would have been tough to see, him, to see him get selected for the All-Star game, unless the coaches would put him in. But yeah, Malcolm Brogdon would definitely be considered a snub, especially considering how good he is for the Pacers this season. Mm-hmm. Um, next one is Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, I mean, the Hornets have been surprisingly good this season. And, again, we've talked about Gordon Hayward on his reemergence, his, you know, his, you know, the fact that now he's in a situation where he can get the ball more and he can be able to do some of the things that he was doing back in his Utah days. 
But I think for the for Charlotte, it comes down to winning, and they're not as a consistent team as some of the other teams in the East. So I think uh, it's difficult for Gordon to to get selected for the All Star game. Yeah, um, I think it'll be difficult for him to get in, but he's definitely having an All Star worthy campaign. Yeah. Um, and you know he's been great for the Charlotte Hornets, who have been surprisingly pretty decent. Um, and I think you're seeing the type of you know the dynamic um dynamicism i don't know if that's a word or not of his game in terms of the fact that he can do pretty much everything on the court um that you want from him to do um and also that veteran leadership that he gives to the charlotte hornets so shout out gordon hayward man he's having a great season yeah uh next couple of snubs from the raptors we've met we just mentioned them, pascal siakam and kyle lowry um it's been kind of a down year it's been a slow start for pascal but he's slowly been able to come back to life and I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism um, especially when he missed a couple of game game winners that completely rimmed out uh, I I knocked that out to dumb luck but I think what you're noticing with Pascal is he's he's still growing as a player he's still uh, developing and I think the more he's put into this situation I think the, the better he's going to become but this season the slow start didn't really help his case with being an all-star and Kyle Lowry he's just gotten to that point where He's older now, and he still makes. He's still a fantastic player, one of the best guards in the East. But injuries has kind of made it so he hasn't played as many games. And uh, yeah, there's just other players who have been performing a lot better than Kyle has this season. I think for Kyle Lowry, um, especially too, he was kind of a All Star selection because of the fact that the Raptors were doing so well for a number of seasons, yeah. and he was, you know, arguably the most important part of the Raptors' success. But unfortunately, this year with the Raptors' lack of success, you know, now the All-Star nomination for Kyle Lowry, I think, goes out the window for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, In a similar situation is actually our next couple, is Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. It's mainly because of the fact that the Heat have just, you know, deeply underperformed this season. Like, they're, they're just... They haven't been able to put it together. They've had they got hit with COVID, with the COVID protocol. Uh, Jimmy Butler has been in, in and out of the lineup. Like Jimmy's only played like fifteen games. Yeah. Um. This this season and it, it's you know they're still putting up their numbers. Like Jimmy's averaging like nineteen like seven and seven I think, and Bam is nineteen and eight. But you you still are seeing the fact that the winning has to be there, and I think. Uh, I just don't know how I justify putting a guy of Bam Adebayo above a guy like Julius Randle when Julius is putting up better numbers and his team is in a better position uh, in the standing. So it's just one of those situations for for the Miami Heat this season. And uh, yeah, that uh, fi- that finals hangover is definitely real this season for them. Uh, another player who a lot of I, I'm I'm guaranteeing you we're gonna get a lot of blowback for this one. Yeah, uh, it's it's Trey Young, and we we've, we've been credit. Critical of Trey Young and his game and how we feel it's not as great as people see, you know, deem it to be. Um, now, granted, he's putting up great numbers like he's done in the past couple of years, but I think with Trey is that his team has been very fluctuative. You know, they're they're, they're not there are stretches where they're performing well, they're the winning games, and there's, there's stretches where they just lose a bunch of games and. Sometimes Trey is a big part of it, you know, and I think, you know, I think for me in particular, I've noticed reasons why I've kind of been negative towards his game, and it's just that it's very, it's a very soft game that he plays, and it's not to me a very uh, sustainable game, a, 
a, a game that would lead to consistent winning, you know, winning through some of these. And I think uh, that's something that he's going to have to work on um, in particular. Yeah, they are, they are the 11th seed right now, which is not great. Um, yeah. And the Hawks have looked not... They haven't performed up to the standard I think that they wanted to. Um, Trey Young is still being putting up the numbers that he usually does, but again, when you're talking about the fact that he's one of the worst defenders in the league, he kind of has to perform amazing on the offensive end for him to garner that All Star selection. And um, unfortunately, you know, it's just it hasn't been you know all the way there this season um i think again they are figuring a lot of stuff out with the new roster but you know for us it, all of the stuff that's happening in atlanta and you know trey young um i think for us just it wasn't good enough for us especially you know given who's ahead of him um and the yeah, all-star that's on the all-star team that's who i was going to bring up with they're just players that are performing just as good as Trey Young, but their teams are, are doing far better. Uh, so yeah, Trey Young is is going to be considered a snub, uh, like like it or hate it, but that's how we're how we're judging it in this one. Uh, next up is Nikola Vucevic. Now you kind of just feel bad for Nikola Vucevic because he puts up great numbers uh, when he's not guarded by Marcus Hall and uh, or Aaron Baines for whatever reason he he didn't. I think really it's like just the Raptors jersey, bro. It's the Raptors jersey. Maybe 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 it's the red, but. You know, Nikola Vucevic putting up some great numbers, but his team in Orlando has done him no favors. It also doesn't help that, you know, Jonathan Isaac, their best player, is injured. Markel Fultz, one of their better players, is also injured. Aaron Gordon is out. Cole Anthony is out. Um, Like, that that entire team is decimated. So, yeah, it's very unlikely that he's going to make it. Especially when you're considering that he's going up against guys like Sabonis, Embiid, Julius Randle. So it's tough for Vucevic to make it in there. Yeah. And finally, the uh, yeah, sorry. I, yeah, I feel uh, like I definitely feel bad for Nikola Vucevic. He's definitely one of my favorite players. But I mean, I think he just needs to get over Lando, man. Uh, if the Raptors yeah. could somehow get it, get him, I think that would be a miracle, considering that's exactly what we need. But um, you know, that's not gonna happen with this contract. Um, unfortunately, yeah. Nikola Vucevic's team just sucks. Uh, they haven't done him any flip favors. They're pretty much, except for him, everyone else is out. So, yeah, Nikola Vucevic won't get in, but I think um, he he definitely, he's very underrated. I think a lot of NBA fans should be paying attention to what he does a lot more, especially I think this is probably, from what I've seen, his best season to date. Yeah. And finally, uh, the last player who's had a, fa- a great season, and we we brought him up in a couple of episodes, it's been Jeremy Grant. Uh, the problem is he plays for the Detroit Pistons, and the Detroit Pistons are absolutely garbage. Pretty much. Uh, that's, that sums yeah. it up. I mean, Jeremy's been great, but his team, you, you just can't. Like, if your team is, is being that bad, like, it's very difficult to be an all-star. Ask Bradley Beal. He knows from experience. Uh, but with that, those were our picks for our all-stars and our snubs. Definitely let us know what you guys think. Do you agree or disagree? Who do you predict to be all Eastern Conference All-Stars this year? Definitely let us know on social media or the comment section on YouTube. Uh, and finally, it's been a bit of a longer episode, but hope you guys, hope you guys stick with us. But we're going to move on to the Up and Under segment for this week. There is a bit of news to cover. Uh, first off, are you up or under on the NBA planning a dunk contest before the All-Star game and they want to do a three-point and skills contest at the halftime of the All-Star game. So they're basically trying to condense All-Star weekend all into one night. 
Again, uh, we've talked about this before in a couple of episodes past as well, but like, yo, I think for both of us, we can both say we're under on this. We did not want to have an all-star game, all-star weekend to begin with. Uh, none of the players have wanted to do that. It's just a terrible idea. We like again. We're not gonna go into it again. We we've talked about it to death, but it's it's a terrible idea for a number of reasons. Um, especially the fact that again we talked about last last episode, none of the players want to do it. So like, bro, without fans, all this other stuff that's going on, none of the players want to do it. And then you're trying to cram everything into one night, like, bro, that's that's a gimmick, man. It, it, it's 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 terrible, bro. Like, it should not happen, man. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like money a big makes the world go around. The NBA yeah. that I mean, but like the fact that they're trying to really, really push for this is is uncharacteristic for the NBA to do it, especially when their players are, vo- you know, uh, vocally, you know, voicing their displeasure with this idea. I think uh, you pretty much nailed it, right? It's very uncharacteristic of the NBA, especially when the other leagues have all canceled their All Star weekends, or you know, in the case of. Uh, NFL, you know, the Pro Bowl weekend, whatever. All their all-star games have been canceled. And well, the, NBA, the NHL, they're not doing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. The NBA is usually the most progressive league out of the big four uh, North American leagues, right? So it's very interesting to see that the NBA is kind of the one that's taking the step back on this one, right? So, I mean, yeah. um, it looks like it's going to happen nonetheless. Um, and I guess the players will just have to deal with it, I guess. Uh, next up, are you up or under on... Uh, the Blake Griffin situation, so the Detroit Pistons have pretty much just held him out of games and they've said that he's either going to be traded or bought out. Now, reportedly, his first suitor on the market is the LA Lakers if he is bought out. Um, I'm up on it for Blake Griffin's perspective and for the Detroit Pistons. I think it's been a bit of a failed experiment for the Detroit Pistons. Like They tried to trade for Blake in the hopes that they can maybe garner some more interest, maybe get some free agent, uh, you know, interest you know people wanting to play with Blake and it's just completely back backfired the Pistons have been pretty garbage and they want to rebuild and I don't blame them and I think moving on for Blake Griffin is definitely the smart thing to do now it's going to be very difficult to trade his contract I think he has like still uh, has like 50 plus yeah, it was, yeah like I swear it's like million 70 over, or something like that I don't know it's oh, something crazy. it's old to him over the next two years and I think uh that's that's very gonna be very difficult uh, there's gonna be talks of maybe a buyout and if so, a lot of teams are going to still be interested. I think Blake is no longer the same player he once was. That's, you know, been pretty obvious this season. But he's he's still a skilled player, skilled big. And I think a, a team like the Lakers, it would actually be kind of great for not only Blake, but the Lakers. Because the Lakers can get someone to replace Anthony Davis while he's hurt. And Blake can get to compete for a title. So And he goes back to L.A. Yeah, so. he can play his uh, ideal role, I think, at the stage in his career off the bench, you know, and help a contending team, as, as you said. So, um, you know, Detroit Pistons will definitely have to swallow a large chunk of money on this one. It'll be tough for them. But, yeah. um, you know, uh, that's what uh, Tom Gore signed off on when he traded I mean, for Blake Griffin. At least it gives them a sense of direction now that, hey, we're moving off of this guy and we're gonna we're going on for the rebuild. So I'll credit the Pistons on that one. Shout out to Sadiq Bey. Uh, also, when we're talking about the players. Yeah, Sadiq Bey. Bro, this guy went man. off Wasn't against he... the Celtics, man. He's a beast. Eastern Conference Player of the Week. He's a beast, bro. Sadiq Bey, oh my god. I did not expect him to be this good, but he's a beast. Shout out to Sadiq Bey. Yeah, he was good. Uh, speaking of former Detroit Pistons, uh, next up, are you up or under? And Andre Drummond is also reportedly on the trading block. Uh, the Cavs have basically said, hey, we're going to sit you until we, we work out a trade 
trade for you. Uh, and reportedly, the Raptors have actually had discussions uh, surrounding him with the Cavaliers. No, I'm up on it from the Cavs' point of view. Uh, I think I'm up on it from Andre Drummond's point of view because it's just it, it, they need to split up. It's not a viable situation for, situation for either of them in terms of the Cavs need to rebuild. Andre Drummond just needs to go to another team. In terms of the Raptors having discussions for him, um, I think a lot of Raptors fans are up on that. I think I will go on the under route because of the fact that Loki, not to be like rude or anything, but Andre Drummond kind of sucks. Uh, like if we're being honest, right? He puts up a lot of empty stats. Now the rebounding, I think, will would definitely help the Raptors, considering they've been trash at rebounding since I don't know how many years it's been at this point. They've been pretty bad. Yeah, since JV left. And I mean, with JV, they there they weren't a great rebounding team either. But you know, like the rebounding would definitely help. But again. Um, you can ask Pistons fans, you can ask Cavs fans how they feel about Andre Drummond, and the overwhelming response is definitely negative um, in terms of the fact that, you know, he just doesn't warrant the type of contract he w- he wants. He doesn't warrant the type of role that he wants. Um, and I think that's the biggest point for, him, for Andre Drummond throughout his career. If he was able to just accept a lesser role and do what he's best at, then I think a lot of teams would be interested in him. But, you know, unfortunately, he kind of wants to do more than what he's capable of doing. And, um, you know, uh, I I just, I, I don't think I really want him, especially given what we would have to give up for him. Um, even if it is a three-team trade and somebody else can, you know, match the salary for Andre Drummond, we would still have to give up somebody um, significant from our rotation. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm under on it. I mean, unless he, unless he gets bought out, I if I'm the Raptors, I wouldn't I wouldn't go for, go after Drummond just because he's he's too expensive, man. That's twenty nine million dollars that you got to match in salary for a team that's already above the cap, and we're not trading Lowry, we're not trading Siakam. Oh, especially not, not for Drummond, trading OG. I mean, I mean, o, o, OG's un, untradeable for me at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I don't care what offer I'm getting, I'm not trading this guy. But yeah, it, it's just too much trade for a guy who, like you said, puts up puts up a lot of empty stats and uh, is a pretty one dimensional player in the stage of his career. Yeah. Now, reportedly, uh, apparently, uh, if he does get bought out, I think the Nets, the Celtics. Um, Bro, don't please go, don't go to Brooklyn, man. We don't we don't need well, more players going to Brooklyn. No, not Brooklyn, not Boston, please. None of those teams. But yeah, there have been a couple of teams that are already inquiring about Andre Drummond. Um, should he get bought out? So, it'll definitely be interesting to see what team he goes to. Uh, speaking of the Andre Drummond situation, um, Draymond Green, the other night in the pre- in his press conference, uh, called out the NBA for its double standard, you know, when it comes to the treatment of players, for example, who are on the trading block or who want to be traded. Um, so, definitely check out that, you know, that, that tangent that you went on, if you guys haven't already, because it was, it was, it was a very Draymond Green thing to do and it was definitely a very interesting uh you know set of points that he was making so are you up or under on uh Draymond Green's whole uh you know spiel about it I mean um I I, th- I gotta be a little bit I'm, I'm I'm kind of in between I'm 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 I'm, I'm in between on what he what he said so there's definitely a, an imbalance of power between uh, what a team does and what an, what a what a player dictates as far as their future and what they want to do, uh, with you know with player movement, you know. But it's 
either or. You know, either the the team has a full control; they can tell the player where to go and how they want to do it, or the players in the NBA in particular has full control and can literally dictate exactly where they want to go. James Harden. Yeah, and James Harden's situation was the perfect example. Like Draymond brought that up in his little rant that he went on, and I come, I I disagreed. I was like, look, James Harden. He if he wanted to go, just wanted to be traded from Houston. Houston could have worked out a trade with anybody. Well, Draymond Green, to go to Draymond Green did say he dogged it. Like he he look, didn't make any excuses for James Harden in that regard. But look, at the end of the day, James Harden wanted to go to one destination, which was the Brooklyn Nets. Well, or and two. He ma- or two. Philly. Sure, Philly was another one, but he wanted to go to one or maybe two destinations. That's it, and he put the Houston Rockets in a very tough situation where. They had to work very hard to get a solid return for him, and they couldn't explore other options because other teams were like, look, if we trade for this guy, he might not want to be here too, and he might ask out again. So I I definitely think it's a, it's a double standard, and I think, yeah, maybe owners shouldn't tell players that, hey, we're, we're moving you, we're moving you, sorry. Um, but at the end of the day, the owners do pay, in the organization do pay your checks, so you kind of have to do what they say, but I think it should be more of a collaborative process where the player and the and the team need to work together to find the the best solution for both parties. Because I think it's just gotten out out of hand in the NBA, where stars are just either leaving or teams are are moving or moving guys, or it's either or. But I think the stars are definitely being been the most more problematic situation in I, recent years i think um this is always a dynamic discussion that we have we've had a number of times i think it's going to continue especially in the you know quote-unquote player empowerment era um you know there's benefits and cons of t- to to both sides i think um, both perspectives i think one thing i will agree with him on is you know the the stuff that he brought up brought up about the mental toll it takes on players Right, especially you know if the NBA is advocating their whole mental health stance, right, and you know going for that whole uh, you know uh, optics uh, for all those optics in terms of you know the the whole mental health point of view. If the NV if the NBA is trying to advocate that side of things, um, you know the the mental toll it takes on players, especially in a like a, for example Andre Drummond situation. Um, I can definitely see what Draymond Green is saying, especially you know when you take into account. Um, and a lot of people don't think about this, but, you know, players have to move their kids in and out of school. Um, you know, a lot of family, you know, families have to move houses, have to do this, that, you know. And um, I think uh, some of it has to be taken into account when, you know, you sign up for the job, right? Because of, it is a very dynamic job. Uh, but, you know, I think it's a, it's a very, it's a very tough discussion to, to, to be had. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of valid points, I think, to both sides of things. Yeah, we frankly, we frankly need a lot more time to talk about this because it's just, this is just not enough time right now to talk about it. But it's definitely an ongoing discussion that needs to be addressed in some, some shape of shape or form. But yeah, finally, are you up or under on the Brooklyn Nets signing Andre Roberson? Uh, he was recently waived apparently by the Oklahoma City Thunder. I didn't even know he was waived. Neither did I. Uh, I didn't even know either, but wait, was yeah, he waived or was were, he a free agent? He might have been a free agent. I think he was a free I, agent. I could be wrong. I think he was a free yeah, agent. Yeah, I heard somewhere that he was he was waived, but no, I, think I he could was a be free wrong agent. there. 
Yeah, but the 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 Nets also uh, waive Norvell Pell center uh, to make room for to sign Roberson. So are you up or under on the Roberson signing? Uh, I mean, I'm up on it from the Brooklyn Nets point of view. It's a low risk, uh, high reward kind of thing in terms of you know just a couple of years ago, Andre Roberson was a top defender of the league. Fortunately, injuries kind of killed that. But um, you know, if he can contribute to them, um, in whatever limited role they give him, that would be good for them. Um, now in terms of the rest of the league. I'm under on it because I don't want Brooklyn to get any more help. I don't want them to win. I'm sorry. But, How much um, more do you need? That's my question. Um, speaking of Norvell Pell, I've actually watched him quite a bit for the past couple of years or whatever, however long he's been on Philly because obviously being in the same division, the Atlantic division, the Toronto Raptors and Philadelphia 76ers, I've gone to watch Norvell Pell quite a bit. I really like his game. Uh, I'm surprised Brooklyn didn't utilize him as much as they did. Now, a lot of people may be asking who. Um, again, he is more of a end of the bench kind of player, but for the Raptors, who we kind of need some center depth, hey, like if we can't get anybody else, man, like I, I kind of like Norvell Pell in terms of like he's a nice defender, he's a good, nice rebounder, um, a lob threat. So honestly, yeah, if I was Masai Jury, Bobby Webster, I'd be looking into Norvell Pell to be honest as a you know a, a low budget move. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to see what, what Bobby and Masai do. But, yeah, man, I don't know how many players Brooklyn really needs, man. But, uh, sure, take Andre Roberson. And, hey, well, take Andre Drummond, too, at that point. And, hey, you know what? Why don't you add Blake Griffin while you're at it, too? Just because you want to you wanna create the ultimate super team so you don't have to work for a championship ever again. I'm done with these super teams, man. Yeah. Too old for uh, this shit. Un- unfortunately, parody lasted, like, one season in the league. COVID killed parody, man. Yeah. Can't believe it. But yeah, man, with that, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a bit of a longer one. Uh, but definitely subscribe to the show for uh, on all the various podcasts and platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. Also, check it out. Check us out on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Up, Letter, N, Under Podcast. Facebook.com slash Up and Under Podcast for all the latest updates whenever we post a new episode or a reaction to news uh, when they occur. Uh, also, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. It's also a place where we write blog posts about every single episode. So if you don't have to listen to the full thing, you can also read about it as well. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so. And uh, yeah, man. So the All-Star break is very soon, and then on, on top of that, it's going to be the trade deadline. So definitely still a lot of craziness going to happen in the NBA. So we'll keep you guys updated as as, uh, as the news keeps coming through. So yeah, with that, that concludes this week's episode. See you guys on the next one. Take it easy. Easy.